The stars are right, and that means it's time for another episode of The Whisper in Darkness. I'm your host, The Man from Lang. Thank you very much for joining me today. On this episode, we are going to wrap up our review of the player cards in the Dunwich Legacy Investigator expansion for the benefit of new players. We are going to take a look at the six neutral cards in the box. There are spoilers throughout if you care about that sort of thing. If you enjoy what you hear, remember to like, comment, and subscribe. Just a quick reminder of how we rate cards here on The Whisper in Darkness. The best of the best get an Elder Sign, while the worst of the worst get an Auto Fail, and the cards in between get a plus one, zero, or Elder Thing respectively. Cards that you build around or are good in one particular deck get a Bless Token, while cards that we believe are destined to end up on the list of taboos or bad for the game get a Curse Token. Before we get started, I'd like to thank the patrons of this channel for their tremendous support. The Arkham Horror LCG community is amazing, and these people have gone above and beyond to bring you content like these player card reviews. If you'd like to support the channel's goals and see your name on this list, head over to patreon.com, sign up for a tour of your choice, and claim your rewards. Special thanks to Cole Monroe Chitty for the amazing art that graces the channel, Nicole Fiscus for the new Whisper in Darkness logo that I use for the podcast, and Nate Lost in Time and Space for the intro as well as the overlays. Thank you very much, I couldn't do it without you. Without further ado, let's get started. Welcome back everyone to our reviews of the player cards in the Dunwich Legacy Investigator expansion for the benefit of new players. We are moving on to the neutral cards to wrap up this series of reviews. Just a quick note, we are not going to be reviewing Charisma, Relic Hunter, and Emergency Cash Level 2. All three of those cards were reprinted in the revised core set and we reviewed them there. I don't think our opinions on those cards have changed at all, so if you're interested in uh, in those reviews, head over to the uh, revised court neutral card review and uh, you'll see our thoughts there. That leaves us with uh, six cards to talk about. We're going to start off with Fine Clothes. It is a one cost asset with an agility skill icon item and clothing trait reduce the difficulty of skill tests you perform during parlay actions by two it has one health and one sanity and takes up a body slot this is a, a very cheap source of soak in a slot that doesn't see a whole lot of use right now parlay actions are actually fairly common in the uh, the game and uh, some of them can be very important which is uh, uh, another thing to keep in mind I can't think of many parlay actions that just sort of happen for the hell of it usually there's some story implication so passing those parlay tests are uh, very important what do you guys think about this one this card is sort of tough to evaluate i think initially because if i if memory serves me correctly most of the parlay tests that you make in core and dunwich are generally like spend two clues to spawn the cultists or spend a clue to oh. talk to jazz mulligan i can't remember if how many parlay tests or how many parlay actions have skill tests attached to them as of right now Jazz Mulligan does. I think uh, Morgan does. I believe. That's right. What's his name in uh, Peter Clover does? Oh, I know. Yeah, Peter Clover definitely does. I couldn't remember if Jazz did or not. Is it an okay. intellect? It's an inter it's intellect three for Jazz. Yeah. And I believe, is it Professor Morgan, Dr. Morgan? I can never remember. 
or there's yeah yeah dr morgan he's willpower yeah so, so the okay. parlay tests are fairly common even in dunwich and of course once you pick up the path to carcosa there's an entire scenario basically built around parlay tests so yeah i, I couldn't there. remember i couldn't remember like how many tests there, there actually were by by this point in the game's cycle since i didn't start playing until forgotten age where this this card was already sort of ubiquitous in scenarios like that but yeah i mean this card is pretty good being able to reduce difficulty of tests is far better than getting a boost because if you can reduce it to a zero then any token barring the auto fail means you succeed which is a really nice uh, ability to have on a card like this and cheap soak is cheap soak yep. And yeah, it's a you, card that once you don't need it, it, you'd never feel bad about upgrading out of it. So, yeah, that's the kind of the role um, Fine Clothes ends up playing for me because often enough, a lot of the parlay tests are in like the early scenarios. You know, when you're still in town and you're dealing with uh, humanoids and you, you're talking with people instead of, you know, putting axes through their faces. One thing that could dissuade you is that Fine Clothes, it has one health soak and one sanity soak. So, if you get pinged for one damage or one horror, you know, it'll only soak up one of them. But there are quite a lot of enemies that deal one damage and one horror. And that's where fine clothes I think really kicks in. Is you you're you're soaking two things for the cost of one on a neutral slot on yeah, on a on a neutral card in a slot that you're not really using for much else. So I think that alone it's like actually pretty good. Just for the soak alone, it's pretty good. Unless you're a survivor, because then you've got leather coat as a survivor. But like other classes, you don't really have options um, at this point in the card pool. So just a soak, it's not bad. Mm. And then in scenarios where you that have parlay tests, like you're gonna love your fine clothes. But then again, there are gonna be scenarios where you're not gonna use your fine clothes at all. Often, often in late in the latter half of the campaign, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. I guess another question that I wanted to pose to you guys is do you play one or do you play two of the fine clothes in the scenarios? You play two? When you want it, you want it. And um, and often you, you don't have your like your dex draw engine online yet. So like let's say you're playing um, like House Always Wins or Miskatonic University. You're going to want this fine clothes kind of as soon as possible. So that way, you know, you can have it down and ready to go when it's parlay time. You know, and I'm talking like you, your deck isn't you know, it's not like work. It's not working on. It's not going at full speed yet, so it's hard to justify one. Yeah, at least, at least in in my opinion. Yeah, you were saying you play one though. Yeah, I tend to play one. I think I may even go up to two sometimes, but I sort of treat it as a nice to have, not a like not an absolute necessity. Like if I get, if I get it at the start of the game, fantastic. If it doesn't show up until later, okay, I'll, you know, I can usually pass the parlay skill tests without it. But yeah, it's it's pretty uh, pretty nice to have. I know what's going on. You're a solo player, so you only have to parlay with Dr. Morgan once. <laughs> That's what's going on here. Where I'm like, I've got to parlay with him four times, you know? That's that's probably the difference right there. Yeah. yeah. When you only yeah, have that... to do it once. It's a lot easier. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good point you bring up, Matt, because you know, this card stock definitely goes up the more parlay skill tests you have to make. And in multiplayer, yeah. you 
like you said, you're going to be making three or four because it's per player, not X amount. So, so how would we rate this one? I think this one is a pretty easy blessed token for me. Like you're not generally playing this unless there are parlay skill tests that you need to make. And when, when you do, it at least has some soak when you're not making those tests anymore. But yeah, I, I feel like once once you've passed those scenarios, you you're just upgrading out of this card. Yeah, so you're saying blessed because it's very like campaign specific or scenario specific. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, if that warrants a bless, then I agree. Once you're once you're out of the scenarios that require parlays, don't feel bad about upgrading into something else. I am going to give fine clothes a plus one because I can think of parlay tests at the beginning of almost every campaign that uh, that has been released for this game. I even love this card, even if I don't have a parlay test in one of those scenarios, just for the one-in-one one soak. Paying one resource just to have a little bit of extra soak on the table has been life-saving in many a scenario. This is a card I would include sort of as my level zero build, and then once the part once the scenarios with the parlay tests are done, this is the probably one of the first cards I'm upgrading out of. But, uh, I mean, the slot is great. Not a lot of competition for that slot. The soak is awfully nice to have. So I don't think you can really go wrong by including a copy of this in in your level zero deck and then upgrading out of it uh, once uh, you have talked to whomever you need to talk to. The next card we're going to talk about is Kukri. It is a two-cost asset that has a combat skill icon, item, weapon, and melee traits. As an action you fight, you get plus one combat for this attack. If you succeed, you may spend one additional action to deal plus one damage for this attack. And uh, it takes up a hand slot. Man. Um... <laughs> there are many a bad weapon that have been released in this game. And I'm not entirely sure why the designers decided to try to iterate on knife but <laughs> That's uh true. we had uh, during our survivor card reviews we had fire extinguisher uh we had uh blackjack back in the guardian reviews now we have kukri which is neutral i can sort of see what they were trying to do with this you know if okay i'm not fighting a lot and i'm fighting a two health enemy i need to you know, I don't want to have to make two attacks because I may not hit with the second attack, so I'll spend an action to get that bonus damage. But I have never played this card. I don't know why you would play this card. It just seems unnecessary. Yeah, like even in the investigators that don't really want to fight, per se, like with their combat, you generally have another option. Yeah. You know, even someone like Daisy can use shriveling if she needs to fight something for two damage you know same with agnes i just don't really see a need for this card and your hand slots are pretty precious yeah i can see why so knife exists knife fills a very important niche in that it's in the core so everyone has access to it and you can you can always use knife to be card number 29 and card number 30 30 just to make a legal deck kukri does not have that excuse going for it i think it's better than knife I would play this. I would play it over knife myself, 
because it's kind of like you spend two actions to get two successful fight checks. Like, it does what it says in the tin. It's not bad compared to knife, you know, but yeah, it doesn't. But... It doesn't need to exist, you know. Now that because you already own the core and you don't need the filler in order to make a legal deck anymore. Yeah, and and we've already set the bar to knife. So I mean, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just looking through the you know, through our card pool. I mean, Guardian, don't need it at all. Survivor, don't need it at all. Rogue, I don't eh, think so. Only because Switchblade is terrible. But Switchblade is so bad. <laughs> yeah, I think I played Derringer. over Switchblade. Yeah, you have Derringer, though. And De yeah. and Jenny has her twin 45s. Like... Oh, yeah, she has the twin 45s. She's fine. Okay. Mystic, just play more Shrivelings. I think there were Maybe. some decks floating around back in the day that were trying to like use Skids O'Toole and Leo DeLuca to get those additional actions to deal the extra damage. I don't know why you just Skids wouldn't play Machete. Has... He's got a giant <laughs> Oh, he's got a yeah. giant pool of weapons. He's got Derringer, he's got Machete, he's got forty five automatic. That's all he needs. He doesn't need to compromise with with uh with Kukri. So this one gets an auto-fail. I never played it. Never will play it. It's bad. Don't play it. <laughs> if you were thinking about playing it, just play something else. Is this a card that you are actively doing yourself a disservice by including in your deck? Is it that bad? Or no, is it... I don't think it's that bad. No. Like, it does do something. Yeah. But... I, I think like, Matt made a good point. It it at least does what it says on the card. Yeah. And, you know, that cannot be said for every card in this card game. So Yep. You gotta you gotta at least give it that. The next card we're gonna talk about is Painkillers. It is a uh, one of uh, two cards that uh, basically do uh, similar things. Uh, it is a one-cost asset with a willpower skill icon. Item trait uses three supplies as a free-triggered ability. Spend one supply, exhaust painkillers, take one horror, heal one damage. So here you have a very cheap way of uh, converting up to three damage into three horror as a free-triggered ability. The nice thing, of course, is that this horror is not direct horror, so you can use... Uh, uh, allies to soak it if you happen to be playing agnes you can convert that horror into damage and uh best of all this doesn't require a slot thoughts on painkillers this card is actually pretty good yeah. i think this is i think this and smoking pipe are kind of cards that are sort of slept on yeah because they're they're not necessary cards by any means like they don't help you investigate and they don't help you kill things but they do help you stay alive and that is pretty damn important in this game like uh, man from lang was saying investigators like agnes like cards like this because you can sort of do other things than just heal with it carolyn is another great example she can gain resources with this card by putting the horror onto peter peter heals it you're getting a free heal out of that as well because she's pretty fragile so healing damage is nice for her. Yeah, I mean, it's just a... It's sort of just the right cost and the right amount of supplies for this type of effect that it's pretty good. You know, it's way better than first aid. If you're thinking oh, yeah. about playing first aid, play one of these. Yeah. 
one one thing that's really really nice about painkillers is that you can put it down in the early sections of the game when you're not feeling threatened and then it doesn't cost any actions when your back is against the wall and mm -hmm. you're uh you know and you and you're really hobbling you really need that healing but you don't have the actions to spare another good investigator would be mark too it also combos incredibly well with peter sylvester yes yeah, <laughs> yeah specifically painkillers we haven't yeah. seen the smoking pipe version yet mm -hmm. but that is to come one thing that's also worth noting is that um, this is also the set that has art student and lab assistant, both of which have two sanity, and both of which have an effect that they hit the board, they do their thing, and they just serve as soak. So I think Painkillers also combines pretty well with them because they give you like a reservoir of two horror that you can um, convert damage um, that's on your investigator into. Because if oh. you have your if you have your lab assistant out. You take one if she takes one damage, she's gone. But with painkillers, you can like take some damage and then put like and put two of them onto the um, the lab assistant in the form of horror. Uh, and I kind of like that. Yeah, you can also do this with an arcane initiate too. Oh yeah, that's right. You can uh, use this to take out your arcane initiate when it's when it's time. You know, before uh, her horror, her doom would advance the agenda. Very important. Yeah, this uh, this card is. Uh... The way I feel like healing should be done in this game, I don't like spending actions to play cards like first aid and then taking another action in order to trigger them. I much prefer fast ways to heal like painkillers, smoking pipe, or some of the skills we've seen like fearless. The The fact that, like you said, Matastrophic, you put this down early when you're not threatened and then you may take a few more hits than you were expecting you're engaged with an enemy that might kill you. You're not suffering attacks of opportunity to trigger this. That's pretty sweet. I guess the only downside of this is that it does have to exhaust in order to trigger it. So it's not like you can just fire off three quick heals to, to bring you back into the... Like if you're on death's doorstep, this isn't going to necessarily save you it, if you've got the time. Sure, but uh, if no you're expecting overdosing. to take a big hit from something and you only have one health, the most this is going to bring you up to is two. So how would we rate this one? I quite like this card, but it's not a necessary card. I think in a lot of investigators, I'm going to land on a zero. I think it's pretty good. I've never played two of them in my deck, but I've always liked having one of either Smoking Piper or Painkillers, kind of depending on what my deck is doing. I think it's it's one of those effects that it's nice to have, but you don't need it all the time. I think in the context of Core and Dunwich and the cards that, uh, that the various classes have received so far, I think it's actually warrants a plus one because it combos really well with Peter, combos really well with uh, Art Student and Lab Assistant, combos pretty well with Jim's Trumpet, um, it combos pretty well with um, Brother Xavier because he's got a whole bunch of, um, you know, a whole bunch of soak that's just waiting to be used. Plus, it's nice to uh, blow up Xavier when you really want him to. I think the fact that this card in particular synergizes with a lot of the stuff that's all that's in this box and in the core set. I think, in the context of these two sets, I think it gets a plus one from me. I'm going to give this one a zero, I think. It's not a card I have played all that often, but I can certainly see why you would play it, especially with an investigator like Agnes or with uh, an ally like Peter Sylvester. 
the ability to sort of move damage and horror around, especially if you're able to trigger other abilities or keep allies alive or kill them off when you need to in the case of Arcane Initiate makes this one, uh, I certainly uh, would consider one copy in those decks that, uh, that could use it. That brings us to its counterpart, Smoking Pipe. One cost asset, one willpower skill icon item, uses three supplies. It has the reverse ability of Painkillers as a free triggered ability. Spend one supply, exhaust Smoking Pipe, and take one damage to heal one horror. So are uh, Painkillers and Smoking Pipe played equally, or is one better than the other? I mean, within the context of just core and Dunwich, Painkillers is easily the one that gets more played because of its interaction with Peter. But I think maybe once you get Jessica Hyde, you could certainly consider Smoking Pipe a lot more. Healing horror off certain investigators is pretty good because a lot of investigators, especially early days, have very lopsided pools of health and sanity, like Roland, for instance, is 9 and 5. You know, Zoe has eight and six, you know, so they can sort of afford to take take damage in order to heal off what little horror they have. You know, that that trade is often very worth it for them. I think in those situations, it's pretty good. You know, when when you're the tanky character and you need to be able to kind of like make sure you don't go insane, then yeah. smoking pipe is pretty good. I think Roland is a good example. Zoe is a pretty good example as well. Like. They're cheap enough that you don't really mind, but yeah, I think Painkillers is definitely the the MVP of the two. I'd agree because the investigators who are probably gonna want um, smoking pipe, they don't have a, as good of um, like a recipient of that damage. I'm thinking um, Roland in particular, but also Schizo Tool. Um, they don't exactly have like a Peter Sylvester, or and they don't have like the equivalent, you know, like a two health one sanity equivalent of art student where it's like it's very clear that you know piling damage on this particular ally is the way to go because like guard dog you don't want to deal it damage until it's biting back beat cop you don't want to deal you don't really want to deal it damage until it's hitting something and then like rogue doesn't really have allies with i mean there's hard muscle and uh yeah there's hired muscle so okay there's something there um for schizo tool yeah you can play the hired muscle and you can use it to like combine that with um with the smoking pipe to heal some horror okay i can see that working but uh, it's not a slam dunk like um mm -hmm. like art student or um arcane initiate or um or peter sylvester is although that being said being able to um having the ability to heal some horror off of agnes and take down your arcane initiate in just one exhaust is pretty nice i will admit that yeah, yeah. I, I think one knock against smoking pipe compared to painkillers as well is that you often take big chunks of horror like oh yeah into in maybe three you know yeah. so yeah, when you're rolling like, and you uh, auto fail that rotting remains test you know <laughs> right right yeah you know, you know it's like yeah. Peter is nice because he can take, especially the upgraded version, he can take two horror and then he heals it off over a couple turns, you know, so he can sort of mitigate big chunks. Whereas, like, you know, Roland, not only does he not really want to spread the damage, but he is sort of fragile. Yeah. I think. That being said, if you're Roland and you've taken some trauma, Smoking Pipe is 
going to become kind of essential just to like make it through the latter half of a, of a campaign. Yeah. yeah. Even if you have no where, if you have no great place to put the damage, just the fact that you are going to take that two mental trauma and just put it on your own, convert it into damage on yourself is actually pretty good. Mm. And there, there actually is one other ally that you could potentially take that we'll talk about in a bit. Oh, who might he be? Yeah, I'd, I'd agree that uh, that painkillers probably has the edge on smoking pipe. I have played this in Roland in order to uh, to keep myself alive. I think one of the big differences, like you said, is that you do take tend to take big chunks of horror, and that might be due to the simple ubiquity of rotting remains compared to its uh, damage counterpart in Grasping Hands. The uh, Grasping Hands is part of the Ghouls encounter set, and that encounter set doesn't appear in many scenarios, and so you tend not to take huge chunks of damage. And even in Dunwich, if you get hit by Beyond the Veil, no amount of smoking is going to help you in in that case. So, uh, uh, yeah, it's uh, sort of all or nothing there. How do we rate this one? Uh, I don't know. I... I... I think I'm going to give it an elder thing. I think barring like maybe Roland within the context of just core and Dunwich, I think smoking pipe is a little harder to justify, but I do think Roland looks at this card. So I think the um, one thing that's worth comparing smoking pipe to is probably the core set card elder sign amulet. Okay, so Elder Sign Amulet costs two, three XP though. You put it out there, and it soaks just soaks for sanity. So that kind of does a similar thing for Roland's case as this does. You know, where you put it out there and you stay sane throughout the scenario. Hmm. And Agnes yeah. can use this to some effect, right? Because she wants to use her ability to take horror to deal damage and. You know, this is kind of nice because you can heal the horror back and use your ability even more, but... Plus, Agnes can take a leather coat from Survivor, mm -hmm. you know, in order to kind of facilitate that. So, yeah, I guess... I think it's still an Elder thing, though, because it is... It doesn't just, like, synergize really well like, um, like Painkillers does. And often enough, I mean, there's often ways to, like, get your horror healed. You know, you've got Fearless and got liquid courage you know like but there aren't as many ways to like heal damage that seems to be like a guardian only thing you know for the most part and their options are like it's like first aid and that's it i'm not but sure yeah, if we mentioned it in the course of the reviews but uh this is slotless as is painkillers which is uh, a huge boon hand slots are at a premium so the fact that you have healing that doesn't take a a slot is very nice. I'm going to go with zero on this one as well. I I think you could make a case for this in Roland. I think you could make probably make a case for it in Skids as well. Skids' sanity with his lower willpower could see playing this just to, just in case. And uh, yeah, I, I don't think having one copy is, is bad in, in certain investigators. I would agree, though, that... Uh, it certainly lacks the synergy at this point that uh, yeah. that painkillers uh, that painkillers has. The next card is Moment of Respite, 
It is a three cost event that costs three experience points, two willpower skill icons, spirit trait, play only if there are no enemies at your location, heal three horror, and draw one card. So I like the two willpower skill icons, obviously healing a huge chunk of horror and drawing a card to replace itself isn't bad. Don't think the no enemies thing is a, that big a deal, but three cost and three experience points is probably the reason I don't play this card. Yeah. Yeah. It's not fast either, which doesn't help matters because it's, yeah. you know, while it's not a total waste of an action, like generally you kind of want to be going and moving the scenario forward, not sitting around and healing and drawing a card. But it's it's not bad. I don't know. Yeah, I'm glad it's in the game. You know, so that way if, like, mental trauma is starting to stack up, you know, you've got this to help you out. So, yeah. like, this is another this is another reason why I don't think um, Smoking Pipe is all that great, because you can take XP. You can spend your XP on Moment of Respite. I like it more than the previous neutral card that did a similar thing, Elder Sign Amulet. Because at least moment of respite, you can wait until you know you're already been. You can wait until the the sanity's already on, and it draws you a card, and doesn't take up a slot. So, yeah, and the art yeah. is cool. I do like the that art quite cool. a bit. Oh know. yeah, that's cool. Yeah, the art the art is pretty cool. Yeah, you just uh, spend an action, say a prayer, feel yeah. a little better. <laughs> yeah, I could see it like in skids or Roland or something like that, but I don't yeah. know. Three three resources is really just I feel. Just too much to ask. Yeah, and three XP is kind of a kind of a lot. Yes. But in a game that already has um, Elder Sign Amulet and Bulletproof Vest, both at uh, three XP, I can understand why it costs three. Yeah. It's it's uh it's okay. I'm really curious to see what uh Mister Mister uh, Heal Master himself, um Cameron, you know, sorry, uh, Mister Heal Master himself, Man from Lang, thinks. I have never put this in a deck. I, I think it really comes down to the three resources and three XP. I don't know what the right amount is, but yeah. that doesn't feel like the right amount for this sort of card. Maybe if it was fast, that would change my mind. Yeah, I do like the fact that this is neutral, so it is a heal like a, a heal horror option for that is open to all investigators. But still have never needed this card i guess if you're again like if you're playing roland and you're you've taken a couple early mental trauma yep. and you're desperate for for something that will keep you alive this is an option but much like elder sign amulet that's a that feels like a pretty bad upgrade at 3 xp it's just like you're not really improving your deck you're just sort of sticking your thumb in the leaky dam at that point how do we rate this one i think this hangs on by a fingernail to the elder thing token it's really expensive but it it does do the the things on the card so i can't really knock it for that like if you need a big boost of healing horror then sure and the icons are pretty decent yes yeah, I'd also give this thing an elder thing, especially if you're playing a campaign that like gives you XP, like catch up XP if you fail. And I think Dunwich does this in a few cases. I think that gets a little better. So it's like, okay, you get some catch up XP. You can either use it to improve your deck to try to 
go again. Or you can, you know, use that catch-up XP on Moment of Respite so you don't go insane again. Then I think it's not bad. I'm glad it exists more than I'd actually play it. So I think I think it's an Elder thing. I'm going to give this an Elder thing as well. I'm, I'm glad it's there, but man, oh man, I think if I was in a position where I needed a card like this, having to spend 3 XP for it, it's going to feel pretty bad. If you've gotten to the point where you need this card, things have taken a very serious turn for the worse. Or and... you've just played Roland. Or you've just played Roland, and now you're not spending XP, especially in Dunwich, where XP is is pretty hard to come by. It's certainly not as generous as other campaigns. So this is a significant chunk of your XP if you're paying for this card in Dunwich, which isn't good. I mean, even in the like the corset campaign is only three scenarios. I'm not buying oh, yeah. this ever. <laughs> so no. like, yeah, yeah, it's just that three XP man. Oh man. That would just, I, I think I'd have a, a pit in my stomach if I had to choose this over pretty much any other card that I was, I was uh, going to buy. At least it does heal a, a pretty significant chunk of horror instead of like one of those, like say Clarity of Mind, where it's just like, I'm going to play Clarity of Mind that's taking an action. I'm going to have to spend a bunch of actions to get the Clarity of Mind to trigger. At least this will cost you one action and it gives you three, three heals and then replaces itself. So given the choice, this is better, but yeah. Not a, not a card I am going to be reaching for, if I can help it. That brings us to the final neutral card, and the final card in uh, the Dunwich Legacy Investigator expansion. It is the Red Gloved Man. He was never there. Two-cost asset that costs five experience points, willpower, skill icon, ally, and conspirator trait. It is fast as a response after the Red Gloved Man enters play. Choose two of your skills while the Red Gloved Man is in play. Raise the base value of each of those skills to six. Forced at the end of the Mythos phase, discard the Red Gloved Man. It has four health and four sanity. Thoughts on the Red Gloved Man? This is a really cool card. <laughs> I mean, you just read it and you're like, what two two stats to six like yeah that must be crazy but i think this card is pretty tame honestly all things considered it costs five, five XP. xp so you really want to make sure you're getting you know your value out of that investment because that's a lot to ask especially within core and done which like we've been saying pretty much ad nauseum at this point there's really not much to complain about with this card though it's fast it gives you a huge stat boost it's it's nice that it at it lasts till the end of the mythos phase mm -hmm. so you can boost your willpower with the red glove man if you really need to so say you're like playing roland or something you boost your combat to a six you boost your willpower to a six to ensure you don't die from that rotting remains or something like that and that's yep that's cool you know, you can boost your combat and your agility. I'm curious to to hear your guys' opinion on this. What stats do you generally boost 
is it combat in something else? Because I find that most decks that include the Red Gloved Man are generally looking to kill things. Yeah, I because when to... it's go time, you want to, uh, you probably want combat because you want to boost your combat from say to, from a three to a six, you know, in order to get things done. You know, I'm thinking like Skids, for example. I have used him for intellect largely because sort of the same as combat, you're going to need to do repeated tests, and so having three intellect skill tests at six. You're going to discover clues most of the time. There aren't that many four and five shroud locations in the game. I really like the fact that this guy has so much soak so you can take attacks during the enemy phase. He's probably going to survive till the mythos phase, and then you get rotting remains, and then he takes the rest of that for you. I don't think I've actually ever been able to take enough damage and horror to kill this guy. <laughs> He's very tanky. Even when I've tried, I mean, the if you uh, when your card pool expands, you get uh, Tommy Muldoon, who can, if you can somehow sack the red gloved man when you're playing Tommy, that's just like raining money on you. But I have yet to be able to do that successfully i mean if you went all in like for one or the other sure you could probably do it but i've never been able to sort of get six or seven resources or even eight resources off this guy two cost for this ability and that amount of soak is an incredible deal you throw fast on top of that that is fantastic especially in combat like you can be engaged with all manner of nastiness. You have the red-gloved man. He comes down, swoops in, provides you with the soak you need in case you can't kill stuff, and sends your combat to six. Can't yep. uh, go wrong with that. You can recur him with a chance encounter. That doesn't feel so bad. Of course, he will leave at the end of the, the round due to a chance encounter. The biggest thing with this guy is just the 5 XP. That's a significant commitment, either if you're playing the Corset campaign. I don't think this guy does enough for your deck. For one card that's going to be on the table for like a turn and a bit, probably not. And then in Dunwich, again, 5 XP is, is a lot. But this, this card is the one reason I was able to beat Union and Disillusion in solo, so I have a pretty tough time not liking him. <laughs> So he has five XP. Um, I think the real, I think the real thing about the red glove man is that what he doesn't do is he doesn't give you action compression. He's not dealing extra damage. He's not discovering additional clues unless you're Rex. Then he kind of is giving you additional clues. He's not giving you additional actions or anything like that. But what he is doing is he's letting you take a whole bunch of attacks of opportunity, which kind of can translate into additional actions because let's say you have an enemy on you and it's like oh i've gotta i've gotta move once and investigate twice in order to get this done you have the red glove man he's just bought you that ability to um to take those attacks of opportunity because he's covering for you so i guess what i'm getting at is that he's pretty good but at 5 xp he's also very expensive and i think um a lot of investigators guardians in particular when you're spending um, that much xp you're getting action compression in the form of more damage per action yeah so it's going to be hard for a guardian to justify this guy i think seekers i think 
are much better able to because they don't have as much they don't have that problem that guardians do where they need to like action compress as much as possible i was thinking yeah. about this and ash can't pee because Not right because the base... stats are a little low yeah yes so uh-huh. you can use this in combination with duke like raise your base skills to a to a mm-hmm. six i don't think you get a boost just given the way that duke is worded but uh, i mean even still like duke himself is action compression yeah but being able to like move around the board you have red gullif man to just soak up all the things you need him to soak up like yeah that's yep. pretty dang good yeah so if you use him as a way to like in you know when it's go time he takes a tax of opportunity for you i'm imagining i'm imagining skids right now you know where you can do some really big power plays so how would we rate this guy I think this guy is tough to rate, to be honest. A fast ally with four and four and two stat boosts up to six is very, very good. I just have a tough time with the five XP. It feels like he's a capstone for a deck that we don't really have or that doesn't exist, maybe. Yeah, I I think that's a really good way of putting it is that he he is sort of the focal point of whatever deck you're including him in because of the just the sheer amount of experience that you're going to have to spend and you probably want both copies in your deck because you want to be able to find both of them since he's only going to be on the board temporarily and then you're sort of like leaning into those survivor cards that let you either get him out of the deck faster or recur him like chance encounter does so yeah i think you're really focused in on the red glove man but that being said like that's a good strategy to go for, yeah. I think. So I think if we we're going to rate him, I I give him a blessed token. I think he's really like, I think you could build a deck within Corn Dunwich where you're playing a Chance Encounter, you're playing Flare, you're playing Red Gloved Man, and you're you're grabbing him out of the deck. You're using, I would assume you're probably using Pete. I think Ash Camp Pete is the, the, the best yeah. uh, the best investigator for this. And then you have Duke to kind of act as action compression and Red Glove Man can act as soak, which is one of the, you know, I think one of the biggest weaknesses of of Pete is like oh, if you, right. is that he's pretty fragile. Mm-hmm. And if you're, say, racked by nightmares and you can't use Duke, at least Red Glove Man's got your back. I think I'm going to give him a zero because... He's just generally useful, but he's also well. He's also properly costed. It's not something I'm going to reach for, but if I'm just swimming in XP, I'll take this guy. Yeah, he does also kick out your ally slot. So if you're if you're not reliant on your ally, and you're not spending a lot of XP to upgrade your ally, your favorite ally, then this guy like starts looking pretty good. Yeah, I think I think he deserves a zero. I think I'm going to go with bless token on this. I was really leaning towards zero. But the more I think about it, I think he is sort of, you've got to build around him to a certain extent, at least in Core and Dunwich. I think actually Wendy could make a pretty good Red Gloved Man deck because she can replay events. Mm -hmm. So you could get a chance, you could get a couple more chance encounter if mm-hmm. if 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 the stars align, you know, you could get to trigger it a couple more times. But yeah, he he does really feel to me like he's the capstone 
for a deck that we just don't s sort of have because he's so transient. Like if he stayed on the table, I could see like, yeah, sure. Like he'd probably be too good at that point, but at least I could see why you'd want to build around him. Like when I've used him, it has been just to beat specific scenarios that require such as union and disillusion that requires you to have insane stat totals. And this is the easiest way to do that. And then I recur him with a chance encounter when I need to do those skill tests. So in that respect, I am building around him to do a certain job. I, I guess if you were swimming in XP, he makes a, a, a nice addition to your deck, but I just don't think you're swimming in XP in Dunwich. So, yeah, I, I, I'd probably say a blessed token is appropriate. And I'm not even sure, like, as your card pool expands where this guy, like, whether his rating would change. Like, oh, yeah. I can't really mm -hmm. think of many investigators, maybe besides Tommy, who, or maybe, you know, Charlie Kane. It is worth noting that, uh, the red gloved man and his uh, conspirator uh, counterparts will probably play a pretty significant role in the upcoming uh, the Scarlet Keys campaign. So I guess it's fitting that we're talking about the red gloved man last. And uh, I do love the character, though. I'll give him that. Oh, and yeah. I mean, yeah. he was a character in the uh, the old Call of Cthulhu LCG, and I'm glad to see that not only did they port him over, but they made him really good. Pretty much every cycle gets a really cool but kind of niche um, high level high level neutral card, and this is the one for Dunwich. He doesn't, you know, he's fun. I've, I've, uh, I'm starting to think about where he could work. I kind of like the skids deck with this guy, actually, now that I'm thinking about it a bit more. Yeah, being able to generate additional actions while you have the Red Glove Man is really good. Exactly, because and also the fact that he adds to your stats means you're more likely to fire off quick thinking. Yeah, that's a good yeah, point. I... Certainly mm -hmm. skids could get uh, more value out of him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if this guy wasn't fast, I think his his oh, uh, his rating would drop so pretty slow. quickly. But uh, yeah. the fact that he's he hits the table... And uh, you still get your three actions or four or five if you have a big skids turn. Yeah. The red gloved man is going to do an awful lot of work for you in those uh, circumstances. Yeah, and he combos with smoking pipe and painkillers. So there you go. That's right. You just blow smoke in his face all the time. He's <laughs> <laughs> used to it. Here, take these. What are they? Uh, don't worry about it. <laughs> It's like Peter Peter Sylvester is dealing with everybody's overdoses on uh, an aspirin. Although you can't really overdose on aspirin, sorry. Uh, everybody's overdoses on Tylenol. He's the one who's like vomiting it all up for everyone. <laughs> Poor guy. That is going to do it for our look at the neutral cards in the Dunwich Legacy Investigator expansion. And uh, that wraps up our reviews of uh, the entire set. If you made it this far, thank you very much for your uh, commitment. It is... Uh, Greatly appreciated. Make sure you hit uh, that uh, like and uh, subscribe button down below. Any final thoughts on the neutral cards or uh, the Dunwich Legacy in uh, particular? Uh, 
man, it was a a a wild set. It had some uh, very important cards in the game, and uh, also a significant significant number of cards that uh, basically went from the box into the binder, and uh, haven't seen the light of day since. Yeah, that's a pretty good summation of Dunwich, but. I think it would be a, a bit remiss to to not say that, you know, I, I think Dunwich does a really good job of expanding on what was already there and giving us sort of hints at where where the designer's headspace was at when they were designing the game and where it was going to go. You know, we, we sort of see, like, the beginnings of different themes within each of the classes that get expanded upon in later expansions, barring doom of course but you know i i think there's a lot here for every class to really sort of get their feet wet into meaningful upgrades from the core set and i think that's a good thing yeah um i like how all the uh all five investigators from the uh Dumbwich legacy box continue to be pretty good um thanks to their uh, interesting deck building um but man power level wise we are all over the place we had we had strange solution to Cidic Icker, and we had lore. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, Dunwich is all over the place. Yeah, yeah. We we certainly do see a lot of the themes that are built on in uh, later expansions. I think every class does uh, does pretty well in this expansion. They all get some some good cards to play around with. Uh, as a as a mystic and survivor player a lot of the time i can't complain uh, certainly about uh, what the mystics got in right of seeking and and the upgrades for shriveling survivors got dark horse and fire axe lots of lots of interesting things for rogues as well i i don't i was looking sort of ahead at some of the the expansions namely uh, the path to carcosa investigator expansion and uh, their forgotten age and i'm not sure all of the classes come out equally in those but uh you know i think dunwich was a uh, was good for the game overall and sure i think in you know looking back on it there are changes that we would have made to sort of make it maybe make it a little more consistent or develop some of the themes that that uh, got short shrift but uh, i think if you're a new player who has the revised core uh, you won't be disappointed picking up this there are lots of good cards for your decks the campaign continues to be among my favorites in the game i still enjoy playing it and uh I don't think you will be disappointed. That's going to do it for this episode. If you enjoyed what you hear, remember to like, comment, and subscribe. If you need to contact me, I can be reached at manfromlang at gmail.com. I'm also on Twitter at manfromlang. Until the stars are right, keep your shotgun close and your elder sign closer. Take care out there, and happy investigating.